0: is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Hello, my name is Todd Briner, and I got to admit to you guys, basketball is my favorite sport. And welcome, Blackman Football. Great great win on Friday. Where, where's K-9? Where's that guy might be the fastest kid in all of the world. I don't know. Um, they are going to be a great team this year, but I'm glad you're here worshiping with us today. But I want to talk to you guys about sports. I absolutely love sports. You hang out with me for just a couple weeks, couple probably a couple seconds, you'll know that I love sports. But there's one thing that I really love about sports. It's when something legendary is about to happen. Whether it's like an Olympics, whether it's a final game, I want to say that I witnessed the moment. And there was a moment that I wasn't going to miss a couple years back. It was April 13th, 2016. And it was the final game of Los Angeles Lakers legend, Kobe Bryant. It had been built up through the whole year. He had announced early on that that was his final season. And so the last game was just going to be the culmination of the year of Kobe. The stars were coming. Everybody was coming to watch the game. At the time, I lived in Miami, Florida, and the game was being played in Los Angeles, California. So it was starting about 10.45. But it was a game I wasn't going to miss. So at like 9 o'clock, I'm brewing a full pot of coffee, trying to guzzle it down so I can stay up. And I'm watching the game, the tip-off. I mean, it's electric. And then Kobe starts to play. And he goes like oh for like 9 on his first shots. He's playing terrible. It's like 11.30, and I get this thought in my mind, like, if I stay up and watch this game, and Kobe does terrible, I'm going to be staying up to like 1.30 or 2 in the morning, I'm going to be tired the next day, I'm going to be a terrible husband, I'm going to be really a jerk to my kids, and I'm not going to be able to work. So I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed. But well, what I did that night as I walked to my bedroom was I hit the little record button on the DVR, and I'm glad that I did. So I woke up the next morning, and I started to put the television on in the morning. I don't know if your wife is like mine, but if you start watching TV in the morning when the kids are trying to get ready... It's like a big no-no, but I'm there, and I'm glued to the screen because Kobe starts to, like, go off. He's playing amazing, and pretty soon my two little boys, they're, like, right there, and we're, like, up to the screen, you know, like, so close that your eyes start to burn, and we're watching it, and we're like, oh, my gosh. And then my wife, she comes over, and she's starting to get into it. She's starting to see what we are seeing, and so here's what I need you to do with me. You may not know what I'm talking about, so I need you to experience it with me. So I'm going to show you a clip of the game, and I'm just going to show you the fourth quarter. And what I need you to pay attention to is the game score, and then under the game score will be the point total of Kobe Bryant in his very final professional basketball game. So I want you to relive this with me right here. Man, it was amazing. Jack Nicholson, you see him going crazy. Jay-Z standing up. The whole place is going crazy. Berserk seeing Kobe go off in the game. I remember sitting at my house and thinking, Kobe might score 50. And then he gets 50 and I'm thinking, Kobe might score 60. Kobe Bryant scored 60 points, the highest point total in the season for any individual player. He scored 23 points in the fourth quarter, 17 points in a row. To put this in perspective, in Michael Jordan in his last basketball game, he scored 15. Amazing. Amazing. But here's what I love about Kobe. Kobe... Never wants to be on the bench. Kobe always wants to get in the game. He was the type of player that said, put me on the court, give me the ball, and I'll make something happen. Even after his last game, when he was interviewed, he said this. If I wanted to play, I'd still be playing for the Lakers. The health thing I could have figured out. I just don't want to play anymore. Even after his last game, he's saying, I still could do it. I still could be out on the court. Just let me get in the game. I can play. That's Kobe. I want to share with you guys somebody else that was famous in 2016 for basketball, but for a little bit different reasons. Their name is the Monmouth Hawks, and I want you to see right here what they were famous for. Hey
1: guys, welcome to the Fumble, I'm Crystal Marie. The Monmouth Hawks have gotten off to a surprising start this college basketball season. They've already notched upset victories over UCLA, USC, and number 17 Notre Dame. And guard Justin Robinson was named AdvoCare Invitational MVP, despite the Hawks' failure to make the tournament championship. And that's all well and good, but the best part about the Monmouth Hawks isn't Robinson or any starter for that matter. They're all about having the absolute best bench celebrations in the world. Exhibit A. The Angry Bird Celebration. Exhibit B, The Flexin'. Exhibit C, The First Down. Exhibit D, The Human Hoop. Exhibit E, and my personal favorite, The Human Scissors. Exhibit F, The Gives Me Life. And they've got a whole season to tighten things up.
0: Yeah, so Monmouth... Gets famous all over the internet, going viral, not because of what's happening on the court in the game, but what the guys are doing on the bench. And what was shocking is the head coach of Mama said, Sometimes it's hard for me to get guys to want to go in the game because they'd rather be on the bench. Shocking. They'd have more fun being spectators and clowning on the bench with their friends than actually getting in the game and making a difference. And so you're probably saying, Todd, we know one thing is true today, that basketball probably is your favorite sport. But what does this have to do with church and me? Well, see, here's what I think can happen. I think as Christians people that have started a personal relationship with Jesus and been transformed and been given gifts and talents and abilities to be used in God's kingdom, we have the decision of whether we're going to be like Kobe and get in the game and allow God to use us or for some Christians that still have gifts, still have talents, still have incredible abilities to be used by God, they're content to sit on the sidelines. And yeah, they'll cheer on the work of God, They'll cheer on what God's doing, but they stay on the bench. I want to tell you this, nothing amazing happens on the bench. Not much fun is had on the bench. In fact, I do want to mention this because this church is an amazing church. I've been doing ministry for a long time. Part of a lot of churches been been privileged to be here for about a year and a half. And I want to tell you that I believe that God is doing what he's doing because so many of you have said, I don't want to be a Monmouth Hawk. I want to be like Kobe Bryant, and I want to get in the game for Jesus, and I want to allow him to use me and make a difference with my life. But I can't help but wonder what would take place if every person who calls New Vision home, the thousands of them that have been transformed by Jesus would say, you know what, I'm not going to get be on the bench. See, in God's team, on Jesus' team, the bench should be empty because he didn't give you your gifts and talents to sit on the sideline. He didn't empower you with his spirit to sit on the sideline, but to get in the game. And so today I want to make it real easy for you. If you've got your listening guide, you can bring that out. But I just want to give you guys a couple points today. But here's really the big idea. It's very simple. Get in the game. Get in the game. Don't be a bench warmer on God's team. Don't sit on the bench, but get in the game. Allow God to use you. And we are going to look at one person today who said, you know what? I'm not going to stay on the bench. I'm going to get in the game, and we are going to see what God was able to do with his willingness to be used by him. And so if you got your Bibles, you'll want to go to Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7. We're kind of going to do a big overview of it. You may want to study it later because it's a lot. But in Acts chapter 6, when you enter Acts chapter 6, the church is exploding. It has grown and grown and grown. Thousands of people are now calling themselves followers of Jesus. But a problem arose. And it was a problem with the widows. See, one of the things the church was commanded to do is take care of widows and orphans. And so the widows are having some problems because some of them are being overlooked in the distribution of food. That when they were supposed to get something to eat, they couldn't. And so they come to the disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they bring this up. And here's what they say. They said, well, okay, that's a problem. But we're supposed to be spreading the gospel and doing this. But if we start taking care of this, we won't be able to do this. And so they get this amazing idea that we'll see is a... Very game-changing idea. They decide that what if we found some other people that love the Lord, have been changed by Jesus, and are currently on the bench, and we allow them to take over the distribution of food, and let's see what happens. And so they select a few guys, and one of the guys they select is a man named Stephen. Stephen leaves the bench, and he decides, you know what, I'll leave the bench And I'll get in the game. And the first place we see Stephen get in the game is Stephen got into the game for the church. He simply said, you know what? I'm going to serve the people of God. I'm going to help with the distribution of food. I'm going to help make sure that no one gets overlooked and the needs are met. I want to show you what happens. Because here's what's interesting. Whenever people decide to get in the game and allow God to use them, that's when amazing happens. That's when God does something great. That's when God's, the impact of the church can be multiplied. Because look what it says in Acts 6-7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly. I don't know if you're like me and you like to highlight stuff and circle it in your Bible. But you want to circle and highlight, multiply greatly. Because it's crazy. Now the church is multiplying greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests, the ones who were in biggest opposition to the church, Become obedient to the faith. But see, here's the first thing we see. After some individuals get off the bench and decide to get in the game and allow God to use them, the first thing we see is that the word of God continued to increase and multiply greatly. If you know anything about the book of Acts, you know that it started with 120 believers. Then 3,000 were added to the number the first day of the church. Then it says there was 5,000 men. Then it says the number of disciples was growing daily, that every day they were being added to their number. But here we see something different. We see it go from addition terminology to multiplication. No longer is the church just growing slowly. It's now growing exponentially. It's exploding. Why? Because people said, you know what? I'm going to get off the bench and I'm gonna get in the game. I'm going to allow God to use me. I'm gonna be on the court for Jesus Christ, and I'm gonna make a difference in any way. And listen, these guys weren't out there preaching the gospel. They weren't out there doing amazing things. They were helping in a small area uh, that didn't, they were serving food. But because of that, the message explodes. And I know it's easy to think. Sometimes you can think, well, man, Todd, it was different back then. It it might might have been a little different. Didn't have electricity. Didn't have maybe all the distractions. But people will think, man, that was Bible times. Like Stephen, he he had been with Jesus. He had hung out with Jesus. He was like a disciple, but no. I want to show you the qualifications Stephen had and why they chose him. They're the same qualifications any one of us has if we've been transformed by Jesus and have a relationship with him. Acts 6-5. This was their qualifications. They chose Stephen. A man full of faith. He's put his faith in Jesus. There's been a time where he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And full of the Holy Spirit. That's it. He put his faith in Jesus. He received the Holy Spirit. And now he's qualified to get off the bench and find a place to serve in the game for Jesus. Get in the game. Allow God to use you. Who knows what will take place in your life and the life of others if you make the simple step of getting off the bench and finding a place to get in the game. Let's continue his story. In verse 8, it says this, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyreneans and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. So Stephen is doing the will of God. He's being bold with his faith, and he's facing some opposition. Some people don't like what he's doing. But they could not withstand the wisdom in the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. I want to stop right there so you can see the picture of what's taking place. He's preaching, he faces opposition, and these people that are opposing him take him in front of the council. That's the Sanhedrin. These are the Jewish cultural and religious leaders. These are the same people that Jesus stood before just a few months ago, a few months before this, and they sentenced him to death. So he's in a hostile environment right now. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we had heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, I want to pause right there because they're making false accusations they're making lies, and he's standing in a place where these people want him dead. He thinks they, can, they killed Jesus. They can kill me. What am I going to do? And I want to show you what he did, but I want you to write this down for me, because Stephen got into the game for the world. He didn't just get in the game for the church. He didn't just serve here in the church. He also allowed God to use him outside of the church. Outside of the walls, outside of the people of God, and allow God to use him Because here's what we'll see. He doesn't make a defense. He doesn't say, y'all lying. That ain't true. He doesn't say that. He simply takes this opportunity in front of the, probably the most hostile people in all of the world, opposed to Christianity and the message of Jesus, and he takes the opportunity to share the gospel with them. He takes it back to the Old Testament scriptures and literally is walking through the message of Jesus through the Old Testament to these people. He's bold. He gets in the game for the world. And in Acts 7.51, we see kind of the culmination of everything he said. And it's amazing. I can imagine Stephen getting fired up. He's probably sweating. He's probably yelling. His voice may get hoarse. Here's what he says. He says, you stiff-necked People, I'm not really sure. I've had a stiff neck before, but I'm guessing that's not a good thing for them. Uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. That last words destroyed them. You have received the law. You know the law, but you didn't keep it. That would have been the ultimate slam against a Jewish religious leader who they were built around following the laws of the Old Testament. Now, as I read the next portion to you, I want to remind you these are the leaders of the Jewish culture and religion. They are the top, the upper echelon of people. And I want you to see their reaction. Now they heard these things, they were enraged. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Just in case you're wondering, fell asleep means dead these Jewish religious leaders are so enraged by what he's saying and by the accusations that they throw him out of the city. They're like a mob an in incredible amount of violence, and they throw him out of the city and literally pelt him with rocks until he's dead. And during this time, Stephen looks up to the heavens, and he sees Jesus. And I've read this many, many times before. If you're like me, you've heard the story before of the stoning of Stephen. Maybe you've seen it in one of the recent Bible movies. But if you're like me, you may have missed this part, and I think it's important to know today. See, Stephen, as he's being stoned, makes an interesting observation. It says this, But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, for this to be significant, you need to understand the position of Jesus today. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of God, seated next to God. It says this in Hebrews 10, 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, symbolizing that my mission is done. What do you do? When do you sit? Not when you're working, but when you're done. And so he's sitting at the right hand of God. But in this instance, when Stephen looks to the heavens, he sees Jesus standing. He sees Jesus standing up, much like you stood up for Daniel and his father this morning. And I get the picture here and it's like Jesus is standing up for an amazing performance. Like they were standing up for Kobe or like you might stand up for a great musician or a great play or performance. And he's like standing up and he's looking down upon Stephen in his act of getting in the game. And he's saying, way to go. Amazing job. And I thought, what if we got in the game like Stephen and just allowed God to use us Would Jesus stand up for us? Let's see what happened after Stephen's death. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of the execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul... Was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So the enemy looks like he won. Stephen's execution leads to the dispersion of the church. People are running and hiding. They're trying to get out, they're trying to protect their lives and their families' lives. And if you were to stop at Acts 8 3, you might think the church was in trouble. But Acts 8.4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. The death of Stephen, Stephen getting into the game for the world and allowing God to use him results in people leaving Jerusalem because before that they were kind of hanging in a holy huddle in Jerusalem. And the death of Stephen makes them go out. And as they go out, they can't help but share the message of Jesus. They can't help but tell people that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, to save them from their sins. They take that message. It gets even better. Acts 8:5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. If you know anything about Samaria, you know that it was kind of the next geographical region. It was people that were partially Jewish ethnicity and partially non-Jewish. And it was actually the second, one of the places that Jesus said to go and reach. He said, go into Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the last thing he said, go be my witness in Jerusalem. Judea, that's the region, and then Samaria. And so the gospel spreading to a totally new type of people. Before this, it was just Jews. All because Stephen got in the game. It gets even better. Acts 11. Now those who scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them... Men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also. If you got your Bible and you want to write in there, that's Greeks. That's non-Jews. They started taking the message of the gospel to the whole world, to all types of people, fulfilling what Jesus said, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so they're preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great many believed and turned to the Lord. All this from one man who said, you know what, I'm not going to be on the bench. I'm going to get in the game, whatever you need. In fact, it gets even better because in Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch, which Paul and Barnabas are, part of, are pastors of, they're in a time of prayer and fasting. And during that time of prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, send Paul and Barnabas out. And from that church in Antioch that was started because of the persecution of Stephen go the two missionaries who literally transformed the world for Jesus Christ, bringing the message of Jesus all over the known world at the time. All because one guy decided to get in the game. Literally, the whole scope of the world is changed. And so here's my thought this morning. It's not a complicated one. The application today is very clear. The application is to get in the game, to get off the bench. The application is to stop watching. If you are, I know a lot of you are in the game, and that's amazing. That's why we're able to see what we've seen today and this year and what God's doing. I mean, what if everybody said, you know what? I'm tired of being on the bench watching what God's doing. I'm going to get into the game, take off the warm-ups and say, you know what, God? How are you going to use me? How can I allow you to use me for your kingdom? That's what we need today. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do as we get ready to finish. The application is simple. Get in the game. But I have a little fun way to show it to you guys. Everybody was given today a Mentos and a toothpick. If you already ate one, that's all right. The message is not on gluttony. You'll be okay. And whoever's next to you, they probably like, I mean, you know, you probably figured we got coffee. Now we finally are fixing what happens after coffee with the Mentos but I just want you to hold it for me. Don't do anything with me. Put one in each hand. Because I think today we have a decision to make. Are we going to get in the game? Are we going to stay on the bench? And I don't want you to really think of this as a toothpick today. It's a small piece of wood. I want you to think of it like a splinter. Because I don't know if you were like me. When I grew up playing Little League, we had those little baseball fields, and right on the other side of the fence where the team would sit would be that little wooden bench, and it would be rough and wavy. I saw one just the other day, right outside the baseball field. And my grandpa would always tell me, you know, you're getting splinters in your seat because you're on the bench. And so we have the option today, if we're a follower of Jesus, to stay on the bench. That's your choice. God does not have a bench. He doesn't put anyone on the bench. That's only our choice. So we have the option to get those splinters and stay on the bench. Or we have the option To allow God to maybe make us uncomfortable. But to still allow us to use us. To maybe get out of our comfort zone. To step up and say, you know what? I'm going to allow God to use me. I might be scared. I might be afraid. I might be worried. Because when you get off the bench and put yourself out there for God, it may be difficult. It may be tough. But that's when amazing happens. So just like that Mentos isn't going to do much in your package, but when you take your Mentos, and it's the third service today, so they can clean up a little bit more, because I just want to let you know, the more of you who decide to get in the game, the bigger the explosion's going to be. The more of you that decide to get in the game, the more God's going to do. It's how it works. We saw what happened in the life of Stephen. The world has changed. But what would happen if we say, you know what, I know it's going to be tough. I mean, I was nervous coming to speak today. I usually speak to students and, you know, I have a relationship with a lot of them. But coming out here, I don't know a lot of you all. But you know what, I put it out there. You get into there, and when you go into a spot that may be difficult, may be challenging, you know God's going to use you. And that's when, don't worry, in case you're wondering, I knew that was going to happen. On Thursday night, some of the people were like, no. I'm like, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It works a lot more the more you put in there because I only put one in the other services, so y'all lucky. But I want to put that out there because the more people who say, you know what, I'm going to get in the game and allow God to use me, the bigger the explosion will be, the more that God's going to be able to do. And it all starts for each and every one of us who's been changed by Jesus saying, you know what, the bench is not for me. Remember, Coach Jesus wants you in the game. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, Please visit us online at newvisionlife.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.